I started this podcast in August 2011 as just a small side project. Gradually, it grew into something larger than I could have ever imagined. This month marks a decade since the show started. So I'm turning this episode over to my friend Scott Barlow of Happen to Your Career to interview me about my own journey and what I've learned along the way. This is the 10-year anniversary of Coaching for Leaders, episode 541. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host for today, Scott Anthony Barlow. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversation. At least it does normally. Today, though, today we are celebrating. Celebrating because Dave has created something over the last 10 years that has not just endured but grown tremendously and touched people all over the world. And I've personally benefited from it in many, many different ways. And today we are celebrating a milestone, a milestone that so few people, organizations, shows, even TV shows get to in life. That is the 10-year mark, 10 years, almost to the day since Coaching for Leaders started way back when. So I want to welcome today to celebrate along with me, the normal host for this show, Dave Stehoviak. Hello, Scott. Thank you so much for taking over the hosting responsibilities today. I am so excited and welcome to your own show. Thank this you. Is, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I am turning the tables on you quite a bit because there's so much, there's so much that I think people can learn from you, not just about how this has grown over the last 10 years, but also there's so much that uh, that doesn't get said because you've done such a great job focusing on other people. And I really think that that's one of the reasons that this show has grown. You live and breathe that day after day after day. And I have, I've heard you say many times that you feel a sense of responsibility towards other people. And I, and I think that that comes across in every single show that you produce. So congratulations, sir, on 10 years. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I so appreciate what you said. And one of the great benefits I've received personally is so many wonderful relationships that have grown out of the show that I never would have anticipated. And one of them is my friendship with you. And folks will uh, who've been listening to the show for a while will recognize your voice. You've been on well, three or four times over the years. And what people don't know, probably, I don't think at least I mentioned it here on the show, is that you and I actually talk almost every morning. And we have for, what, a couple of years now, I guess. Um, yeah. We, we do a daily check-in and say, hey, you know, what are what am I working on today? And we each usually have two or three things and we check in with each other and we help each other stay accountable. And that has been huge for me in not only the personal friendship we've developed and supporting each other, um, but also just being inspired by you and what you've done with your business at Happen Your Career over the years. So thank you for all of that. I'm really grateful. Thank you. I am. I'm very grateful too. I would say that a big set of the reasons why we have grown over at Happen to Your Career and you know our business and our podcast has become it's really been from many of those check-ins day after day after day after day and being able to <laughs> being able to 
I'm going to call it not just from an accountability standpoint, but I'm going to call it actually just move the needle in so many small ways. And I want to say thank you for that. And it's been fun every single morning too. So that that is a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time to uh, invest back in our community. Grateful. My pleasure. So here's what I'm curious about though, because I have gotten to know you over these number of years. I think we first met each other probably six, seven years ago, someplace in there. Yeah. Way back in the infant stages almost of coaching for leaders. But I want to go back even a little bit further than that here. I know that this started out almost as a project, not necessarily a whim at all, but I know you had some big reasons why you started this 10 years ago. And I'm curious, I'm curious, first of all, if you would share some of the big reasons that you started this 10 years ago, and then what you've seen come to fruition, if those reasons have, if those reasons have actually panned out. In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. The reason I started was many of the folks listening know I had a long career at Dale Carnegie, uh, 15 years, and I was halfway through that career at about the time that I was thinking about what's next. And like many people in, in careers, I came to a point where I was probably six to seven years into Carnegie. And I had not officially decided, but I had thought I probably wasn't likely to stay with Carnegie my entire career. And so I started doing some long-term thinking about, well, if I make a shift, what's the next shift going to be? And so I was thinking it was probably academia. Uh, I was already working on my second graduate degree in organizational leadership. Bonnie had already made uh, a shift into academia. And that seemed really interesting and exciting to me. And I was doing some part-time teaching outside of Carnegie, and that was going great. Uh, it was it was busy, but it was also a ton of fun, and I was learning a lot and getting challenged. So when it came to the show, one of the reasons I started it was I thought, well, if I ever applied to be a professor somewhere for a full-time role, then it would be nice to have something extra in my portfolio that was different than what everyone else was probably doing. And a lot of people teach on the side, and then they do a little bit of research and write articles. And I thought, you know, podcasting was just this kind of thing in its not infancy, but it was certainly not well known. And I thought, you know, this would be kind of a, a, a way to demonstrate that I really had to care about the field, and maybe I'd talk to a few authors, and, uh, yeah. and, and you know, so it'd be a nice thing for my portfolio. The other piece of it, too, though, was I just really loved podcasts. And I love the technology. And this was at a time that most people had never heard of. When I started the podcast, the most common response I would get from people is, well, what's a podcast? And so I was just really fascinated by that. And then the, the probably the third reason was I couldn't find the podcast I wanted to listen to. There were some good leadership shows at the time, but they weren't done consistently or they didn't have good quality. Back then, a lot of podcasts were on conference call lines. People would just you know, run a recording of a conference call. And I thought, gosh, you know, if I started the show I wanted to listen to, and I began with just having good audio quality, good guests, and it was done consistently every week, 
that would probably be a really good thing for me as far as just building my own portfolio and my own learning, but maybe some other people would listen to it as well. The part that didn't work <laughs> was it turned into a way bigger thing than I ever anticipated. <laughs> and at some point, I realized that this actually became something bigger and better than it would have been had I moved into academia, at least for me. And I actually had a, uh, I don't know how many years ago this was, but th th it was before the Academy was as big a, a project as it is today, but it, but it was at the point where the, it was starting to become a little bit of a business. And a position came up locally for a role at a university. And I normally have not had this feeling, Scott, in my life, um, but yeah. maybe you can relate to this. But once in a while, you see a position and you're like, I could have that job if I wanted it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I sort of had that feeling about this role of, I don't know if that's true or not, but, but I, I had that kind of reaction to it. Because uh, I had done enough at that point where I was thinking like, wow, you know, this would be great. And it was really, it was one of those things that would have been really stable. It would have been the traditional path to go on. And I thought about it for a few days and I ultimately didn't apply because I made the decision that actually what was happening with Coaching for Leaders at the time had the potential to be even more joyful and more significant for my career and for others than it would be if I'd gone into a traditional academic role. So I actually set that aside and kind of jumped both feet into this. That's fascinating. First of all, because you've always struck me as very intentional and carefully calculated, and you consider very carefully before making a, a move. So... I'm really fascinated what was underneath the surface there that was causing you to really feel like this was the right move for you, especially since I know how much consideration you put in there. So what, what was causing you to recognize that it could be so much more joyful and bigger for you and everything else that goes along with it over at Coaching for Leaders? Well, I, I wish I could tell you that I was really courageous and brave, and maybe there's a part of that, but I think the reality is I had seen the evidence of it. And so the interesting thing with the podcast is I didn't have the time to put more energy into it. I only had an hour or two a week at the beginning because I was working full-time at Carnegie and and we were having kids and you know all this other stuff going on in life. So it had to be a small project and it had to be something small. And that ended up being the greatest blessing because as i put i learned to just put in a little bit of effort and kind of start with the basics what's the what's the key thing that i need to do that would get the show produced each week and it be back to those three things good audio quality good guest consistent and even today i still focus on those three and as i did a little bit of that consistently i realized how powerful that was over time. And what I learned, I sort of did this by necessity for a while, but then what I figured out is I'm not super great at taking big, giant leaps at things, but it turns out when I break it down into tiny little pieces over a long period of time, I'm really pretty good at that. And I saw how people responded to the show. I saw how the audience started to grow. I saw how people were starting to reach out. 
And that went on for four or five years. And I realized just through the evidence of seeing how people responded, like that convinced me that there was a lot more opportunity and potential there than I would have realized at the start. That is fascinating. And I don't think I've ever asked you about that before. How many years ago was that where that took place? Oh, let's see. So we're 10 years in. That was probably at year five or six. So it was it was a while in where I was still this this was not a business at the beginning. Yeah. And and for a long time, still like I've had I have more time of this being a hobby than it was a business initially, because that wasn't the goal. And at some point it had to become a business, <laughs> ironically. Or or it didn't, or I needed to make a very clear decision for it not to be a business because as the show grew and as the responsibilities of what I do grew, the amount of time that it ta- that it was taking was going way past an hour or two a week. All of a sudden, it was five hours a week, and then it was 10 hours a week, and then it was 15 hours a week. And if I wanted to be the kind of person that I, I really choose to be, which is a good husband, a good father, uh, having good balance in my life, at some point, I realized either I need to make a really affirmative decision for this to be a business and to invest the time and resources into doing this really well, or I need to very consciously limit the growth of the show or or potentially walk away from it, although that was never a serious, serious consideration, but because otherwise it would have eventually breeded resentment of how much time I was spending without it turning into something that, okay, we could actually, I could do this as a, as a full-time role and it support our family and so that there was a time that that was kind of <laughs> uncertain, but ultimately I kept seeing how if I put more time and effort into our audience and into helping people to grow through the show, that that would pay off tenfold for us. And so at some point I just decided, let's just keep going until until something happens otherwise. Well, that's really interesting. I think speaking of the time and effort, And with you and I chatting every morning for years now, I've really seen and been very impressed with, and it's inspired me to up my game in many areas as a, as a podcast host and podcast producer. And one of the things that I've seen is just how much time, effort, and energy you put into preparing to have guests on the show. Yes. And to get the very best out of those guests And, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've heard you refer to the responsibility that you feel along the way. So I'm guessing that's part of the reason that drives that. But I'm really curious, what does that look like? If you could share just, I seriously doubt that most people who are listening to this understand just how much goes into each and every one of those interviews. So if you can share a little bit about what you actually do to prepare for guests and also what's driving that for you, that's a lot. Well, what's driving it is a short answer. It's how do I help a conversation on the show be as useful to the person listening as possible? I take that responsibility really seriously. Time is the resource that none of us can get more of. And so for someone to put in their headphones or to cue us up in their car and listen for 40 minutes to an episode each week, I take that responsibility and that airtime really seriously. And making sure that that 
choice that someone has made results in something for them that even if it wasn't necessarily the topic that they were interested in that week, or if they don't necessarily agree with the guest on every point they make, that it gets them thinking in a way that they can take something immediately back into their organization and it's useful to them. So that for me is my driving value behind that. The preparation that I do varies somewhat depending on who the person is, but generally what I do is if it's an author, I have read a substantial portion of the book. I try not to be legalistic about it of literally reading every page. I used to be more legalistic and I started like running out of time <laughs> and sometimes would miss some key things. So I've I've now come to a place where I will sometimes I'll skim some sections but I'll get in real depth on something else. But I also will then go and especially if I don't know the person very well or if I don't know their work or not familiar with it, I'll go find other episodes that they've been on on other podcasts. I will find if they've done things on YouTube. I will look at sometimes I will look at reviews of the book on Amazon if they're up. I'll see what people are saying about it. I'll sometimes talk to other podcasters about, you know, what they know of people's work and other people in the field. I would say on average that is 4 to 5 hours of preparation time per episode. And the biggest piece for me, especially if it's someone who's done written work or it's a book, is I will highlight what I'm reading. So I'll go through and do a first pass on the book. I'll highlight everything. And then usually what will happen is then I'll sit down a day or two before the interview and I'll pull up all my highlights and I'll decide what is going to be the focus of this conversation. And this is something I learned back at Carnegie is the importance of getting really focused, of rather than trying to do everything, of getting really focused on one particular topic. And I think the, the mistake I see that a lot of interviewers and podcasters make is they'll have a guest on and they want to have a conversation about that person's entire body of work or their entire book. And I think that that's really hard to do because there's so much there. I mean, I'm thinking about just had um, Ed and Peter Shine on the show a few weeks ago. Ed's 93 years old. I mean, he's been doing this work for years, has written many best-selling books. For me to have a 40-minute conversation with him and capture his entire life's work would be... There's no uh, way. It would be a disservice to him yeah. and, and, and the work he does. And so when I'm prepping an interview, I will often zero in on three or four or five pages of a book or a chapter and I'll say, what is the message here in this person's work or in their research or in their experience that lines up with what I'm hearing from our academy members right now that they're struggling with? And this is probably a bit of my secret weapon <laughs> in that I am hearing daily from our academy members and our community members what they're struggling with and what they're dealing with. And so I have that perspective from a practitioner standpoint. And then at the same time, I'm doing preparation for interviews. And so I pull the intersections of those together. And at some point, I decide, okay, here's what people most need to hear from this person's work. Let me zero in on these few pages or this particular research or this example that I think that the audience is going to benefit from the most. And it's actually better for the person who's being interviewed as well, too, because if I do a good job of that, of bringing out their work in a very specific, practical way, one piece of it, 
I know when I hear interviews like that from others, I think, wow, I want to go get that person's book or, or find out more about their work or subscribe to them on YouTube or whatever, because there's a lot more than I know that they could teach me. And so I, I really focus on quality of a conversation versus quantity of a message, because I, I'd rather get really, really detailed and specific on one or two things that are immediately actionable for everyone than trying to abridge an entire book or entire body of work in 30 or 40 minutes, which I think is almost never possible. I know that there was a huge transition point for you along the way. And I also know that because you and I had had this conversation back and forth that you've not ever shared on this show what it was like or what influenced your decision to leave Carnegie. I think most people that listen to the show regularly know that you worked for many years for, for Carnegie and yeah. you make references to it all the time and much of the training that you did and much of the work that you did there and how it's influenced you. But you haven't ever talked really about leaving Carnegie. So I'm wondering if you could share just a little bit about what that was like for you and what influenced that decision. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, Carnegie was unbelievably an amazing experience for me. Not only the learning that happened for me and helping other people to learn and grow, but also the people at Carnegie are just top-notch people. I'm so thankful and have so have many friends in the Carnegie world that I reach out to regularly. What? Well, I think there's two parts of that answer to this question, Scott. Um, first of all is I, I got six or seven or eight years into my career, and it wasn't a, an all-at-once thing, but uh, I the next step for me at Carnegie would have moved into like owning a franchise. And for yeah. a whole lot of reasons, that just didn't seem like something I wanted to not only make the investment, but I wasn't sure I wanted to make the commitment that I really thought that that required of really putting in the next 10, 20 years of growing a business. And so that was part of it. And the other part is I had other interests that I was thinking about academia and teaching. And so that was, that was a part of it too. But then the piece that probably transitioned ultimately to me departing was as coaching for leaders started to grow and I made more of an affirmative decision for this to become a business and for us to put to the resources and the time and energy into this, both me, but also our family and the, and the people who help support the show, that at some point, like I just couldn't do both. And so I was really, really fortunate at Carnegie that I had for many years, a lot of independence around what projects I would take on. And I was a, I was a full-time employee, but I was project-based. And so I would get paid by project. I didn't have a salary. And so what I would do is as coaching for leaders started to become bigger and take more time, and as our academy started, I just started taking on fewer projects and started handing things off to others inside of our organization. And that ended up working really well. And it worked out so well that actually, uh, let's see, it was 2018 or 2019, one of the major customers I had worked with for many years decided to end the relationship with us, which was not a huge surprise. You know, we had done the work we, we were there to do. And so that came right about the time that the academy was really expanding. And so it ended up being kind of a, just a natural transition point. In fact, I don't think I've shared this with you, Scott. The, uh, it, it was at the, I mean, it was this thing I thought about for years. Like, how am I going to do both of these things? Am I going to do both? Am I going to make a transition? What's going to happen? 
And the irony of the whole thing is it ended up being such a non-event at the end of it all that when I officially left in 2019, that I remember I was so busy with things going on with Coaching for Leaders and I was wrapping up my final project at Carnegie that they reached out to me one day um, after I had left and said, hey, we're, we're about to turn off your email account, just a heads up. And I said, oh, hey, thanks for the heads up. Would you give me just two more weeks? Because I never sent out a thank you email to all the people I'd work with over the years. You know, like, you know, you would send out, like, if you leave an organization, especially yeah. people you don't work with daily and other offices, I wanted to send out a nice letter to everyone. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, take whatever time you need. We'll set it for two weeks and you have plenty of time to send out the um, the goodbye message. And Scott, I, I went to do it like a month later and my email account was turned oh, off. No. <laughs> I got so busy. It ended up being such a non-event just because of that gradual transition over the years that I, I actually never sent out the thank you email, which I regret to this day. I, I, I mean, I think at this point, people, you know, people in the extended network know that I've, I've departed, but it ended up just working out the way it was supposed to work out. And so I feel extraordinarily grateful for the time that I had and all of the people, not only within Carnegie, but the clients who put their trust in me and in us as an organization to support them. And I do rely on that experience every single day and the brilliance that Carnegie brought in the books and in human relations skills. And that is often a, a leading thought in interactions with people and in organizations and even thinking about how I structure conversations and interviews. I love how it's been such a natural transition. And I also, since there has been so much growth that uh, you may have changed your mind on a few things over the years. So I want to turn the tables on a question that I have heard you ask more than once. You have uh, asked me more than once. Yes. And that is, of course, what, what have you changed your mind on? A lot of things in 10 years. I think the thing that I've changed my mind on most recently is my role in this. I heard the example used a while back, the analogy that there are two ways to show up in the world. One way is to be a light, and that the other way is to reflect light from others. And uh, I'm not sure it's that simple, but I do like that analogy of thinking about how to bring light into the world. And I have always thought about my work here in Coaching for Leaders as a reflector, that I get the privilege of having these incredibly smart, talented, wise people who come on the show and have so much that they could teach all of us. And to be someone that can reflect that out to a lot of other people and to be the intersection between the experts and the the, the everyday leader who's struggling the way I struggled earlier in my career and still do uh, occasionally with how do I have a difficult conversation? How do I delegate and really work through that, that challenge? And so I've always thought of myself as a reflector. And I am, I am coming to the realization that I, I've not, I don't know if I've been wrong on that for 10 years, but that that role is changing. And uh, we did a survey of our academy and community members earlier this year. And one of the themes that came out of that survey was people saying, hey, I love everything you're doing, love the show, love all the things we're doing with the academy. And I would like to hear more from you directly. 
that you've been doing this now for 10 years. You have read all these books. You have studied these people's work. You have thought about this from a standpoint of research and practitioner and the technology in ways that very few people have, and that I'd love to hear more from you. That was the message I heard. And I'm realizing that I probably have a little bit more of a role to play going forward as a bit more of the light. And not that I'm planning to go out and do a lot of speaking or write books necessarily, uh, but I do think that there, there is a unique, because of this journey I've been on now for 10 years and, and being in this role, that I have really been at some really interesting intersection points that I think a lot of people don't get the privilege to be at, and that there's a lot that I have up in my head that I'd actually, I think would be valuable to others. And so I think probably in the next six to 12 months, I'll probably make some moves to do some new things here within our community that will do a bit more of that. And I'm not quite sure exactly what that looks like yet, but I'm definitely changing my mind on that. I'm curious, what is your level of comfort with that realization? Because I totally implicitly agree, and I have benefited from your light, as we're calling it, for now years. So I agree with I agree with the listeners of Coaching for Leaders that, uh, yeah, there should definitely be more of that. But I'm curious also at the same time about what what's going on in your head underneath the surface as you've come to that realization. It's it's a mix of thoughts. On one hand, it's sort of a, I do think it's a natural progression based on everything that's happened. It's also a bit uncomfortable in a good way because I am not the kind of person who seeks the spotlight. I have never wanted this show to be about me, and I'm very intentional that it's that it's not. Um, that's one of the things that I get frustrated with with people that I, some people I follow or podcasts that you know the the show or their platform is very much about them personally, and I really always want to be audience focused first. But what has gotten me to the place of starting to realize I need to work through that discomfort is. I will do probably a better job at serving our audience if I help more from my own perspective in in what I've learned and seen and and being at these different intersection points over the years that I'd actually do a better job I think serving people by moving into that space. So it's uncomfortable, but I also think it's a really good discomfort that I start to do more of that directly. Well, today, this has been a little bit more about you, but more importantly, what you've done. I just want to say congratulations on 10 years. I'm trailing right behind you. Uh, I think we're nine years in, and I am just so impressed with what you have done and built and created for other people and how you just have this relentless motivation to, to serve people and show up every single week. And that is so fun to watch. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you for continuing on for, for 10 years. This is amazing. And thank you for letting me be a part of it. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. When you and I first, shortly after we first met, I listened to one of your episodes and then you interviewed me and I was like, wow, you're such a talented interviewer. I was so impressed with how much preparation you had done for that, that conversation we had years ago. And, and ever since then, one of the greatest joys that I've had in doing this is the things that are probably not as visible on the show and in our community, which is 
the personal relationships that I've gained with so many. And you're absolutely one of those folks on, I don't know if you know this, but you're on my, my iPhone messages. You know, you can like select your favorite people to show yeah. up. Yeah. You're on my, you're on my top screen there of, uh, of of top people. Yes, so, I've made it to the you know, I, to the iPhone favorites. <laughs> you you are on the iPhone favorites and that that has been a huge encouragement and blessing for me. Thank you so much for your wisdom. More importantly, thank you for your friendship. I appreciate that and thank you too and thank you for being a guest on Coaching for Leaders. <laughs> it was a blast. Two other thank yous as I reflect on this milestone. One of my thank yous is for Bonnie. You hear Bonnie's wisdom and heart for people regularly on the show, and you have for many years in the question and answer episodes that we have aired together. Uh, what a joy it has been to have her so present and a part of this community. And what you don't hear and see is the support behind the scenes over these years. One of the great blessings, uh, and also one of the challenges of marriage uh, is you're in it together on everything. Family, children, finances, career changes, and as many of us have experienced in working through our lives and our careers, those transitions are hard for each one of us individually. And it's hard in a different way when you're watching your spouse or partner navigate those changes and transitions, even when they're positive ones. And it requires love and trust to be able sometimes to step back and to believe that the choice that the other person has made uh, with you is the right choice. And Bonnie has been wonderful for me over the years in so many ways, uh, and in coaching for leaders specifically, in asking me the tough questions and challenging me at the right times, and also always trusting and putting her full support behind me and behind what this has been about. This show would not be here without her support and her trust. Thank you, Bonnie, for it, as always. And then finally, a thank you to you, especially to those of you who have listened to this show for so long, some of you from the very beginning. I get emails regularly from people asking me, how can I support you in your work? And my response is often the same. I'll say, pass along the episode you just heard that you are emailing me about to someone else that would benefit from it. And so many of you have done that over the years, thousands and thousands and thousands of times. You've shared the podcast as a whole, or you've shared an episode with a peer or a mentee, or a direct report, uh, or amazingly to me, uh, your boss or your board. Uh, I get emails <laughs> fairly regularly from people who are sitting down with their boss and listen to an episode from a whole team. And, it, and it's, it's very overwhelming, and I feel a tremendous sense of gratitude that you have put your trust in me, not only to support you, but then to take the additional step to be to put your trust in me to support those you care about around you, those in your organization, family members, people you, you care about and care about their careers. Thank you so much for that privilege. For all of you who have done that so many thousands of times and 
for those of you who are and will continue to do that in the future, I am eternally grateful. Several related episodes that if today's conversation uh, inspired you a bit, I hope you'll dive into as well. One of them's episode 207. A while ago, I had Mark Barden on the show. He talked about how to transform your limitations into advantages. He's the co-author of a book called A Beautiful Constraint. And I think about that interview a lot years later because one of the key messages from Mark and, and their work in that book is that it turns out one of the best ways to be creative with something and to begin to build something is to have constraints, to have appropriate constraints. And when you have those constraints and you need to work around them, you find a way to be creative. You find a way to learn. And in fact, it was a blessing for me, as I mentioned in this conversation, that I didn't have much time to focus on this podcast initially. Episode 207 is a wonderful inspiration uh, for you if you find yourself in that place of starting something new, whatever it is, and running into obstacles, how those obstacles can actually work for you. I'd also recommend episode 300. The last time uh, we turned the tables on me for this for an interview was when Tom Henschel interviewed me. At episode 300, we talked about the start of the podcast, what had happened since, and also some uh, additional stories that I uh, shared along the way. Uh, please feel free to dive in on that as well. And then finally, uh, thanks again to Scott Barlow. Uh, he's the person that is my go-to recommendation anytime someone reaches out to me and is looking for support in making a career transition, thinking about that next step in their career. He's been on the show many times over the years, most recently on episode 466, What High Performers Aren't Telling You. In that conversation, we talked about uh, some of those things that we often don't hear from the top performers in our organizations and how we can begin to engage in some of those important conversations. Again, that's episode 466. Of course, all of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. The entire library for the last 10 years is databased by topic. So if you set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, you'll be able to search the entire library by topic by expert guest. Also, to get access to all of my interview notes over the years, highlights from books, my database of all of the links and resources I've passed along to you, and of course, access to the weekly leadership guide that comes each week, which has a summary of this week's episode. Also, all of the resources I've been finding for you in popular media and videos, other podcasts that I think will support you in your ongoing leadership development. Set up your free membership if you haven't already at coachingforleaders.com. And I'll be back with you for the very next conversation this coming Saturday. It's the Saturday cast coming back. Kwame Marfo is going to be my guest. He's going to be talking about his experience of developing his leadership uh, during his time in our academy and also beyond. Join me for that conversation this weekend with Kwame Marfo. Have a great week and thanks again for 10 years.